The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Have you ever gotten this point in your life where you know where to go, you just don't want to go? It's not that you're confused, it's that what you see in front of you is somewhere you just don't want to go. Either you you don't want to, or you feel like you can't, and so you're stuck, and maybe you're trapped in the paralysis of analysis. Uh, The other night, I had a dream, and I don't normally talk about my dreams, I hardly ever even remember them, but this was one that was really hard to forget. Um, In fact, I think it's going to become a movie. I, in my dream, I woke up on New Year's Day 2021, but I was trapped in like not Groundhog Day, but Groundhog Year, and it was just 2020 starting over again. And I was like, oh no! And uh, like literally I had that thought of like, oh no, this is like Groundhog Year, and, and some of you are like, oh no! It's prophetic, it's not, it was just something bad that I ate. Uh, but I had this thought of like, you know, how many times we've made resolutions, we've set plans, you had dreams for 2020. And uh, how is that going for you? And uh, I feel like 2020 has been the longest year we've ever lived. And, and what happens is you have dreams and then things don't quite work out as you plan. And you had goals and you had ambitions and You had a diet you were going to work on, and you had a marathon you were going to run, and all this stuff we were going to do, and then it didn't happen. And so it's not that we didn't want to, it's not that we didn't know where we were going to go, it's that at some point we just couldn't get there. We either didn't want to get there, or there was a legitimate obstacle in our way in order to get there, there was something preventing our path of progress, and so we just go through a year stuck. Paralyzed now for a lot of extenuating circumstances, right? But in some ways, I think that you could look past 2020 and just say, for many, we can live most of our life like in Groundhog Day, Groundhog Year. We just, we're not doing new things. We're just repeating the same thing over and over, and we're not really getting anywhere. We're not doing anything new. We're not accomplishing anything. We're just kind of spinning our wheels. I, I know for me, um, I, I'm going to bring you back a few years. I was uh, a few months away from graduating uh, with my graduate degree. Uh, my master's program was getting ready to finish. And uh, in, in just a few months, I was going to start in full-time ministry, and I was going to get married. Now, I had been working on these. I had been planning, dreaming, praying about this. But it, for some reason, just as I got really close, I didn't get cold feet. Some of you are going to read in this. I didn't. I got scared that it wasn't going to go the way that I had hoped it was going to go. I had seen people who had pastors who had hurt others in ministry, and here I was going to become a pastor. I'd seen so many marriages fail watching people whose lives failed, and I thought, do I want to start what I can't finish? Do I want to go into ministry and then hurt people? And since I don't know how it's going to end, I really don't want to start. And I got scared. I got paralyzed. And it wasn't just a paralysis of analysis. It was truly, I got nervous about just getting started. So what do you do when you get to the point where you're like, I I know that's where I need to go. I, I just don't know if I want to go or if I should go or if I can go. And maybe it's a fear of failure. Maybe it's a fear of the past. Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's 
hurts. Maybe it's what other people have, have done to you. And as a result, you can just get stuck where you're at, afraid to move forward, afraid to step into something new and a different way of approaching life. And so you and I, here's what we do. When we get stuck and we're in this kind of perpetual rerouting season, then finally we get desperate and we cry out to God, God, help, what should I do, right? Because when you're in that season, you're asking everyone and anyone, I actually, I asked for counseling. I went to a counselor and I said, help, I, I need guidance here. And after a while, you ask enough people, but nothing resolves the issue. And so finally, I just went to God and said, God, help. And, and that's what I want to bring you. Uh, we've been walking through the life and the story of a guy named Moses, for those of you that don't know, Moses is kind of a big deal in the Bible, a big deal in Jewish history, a big deal in Christian history, because Moses was chosen by God to set the nation of Israel free from Egyptian slavery. And so God chooses him during a time of incredible turmoil. And Moses grows up in Pharaoh's palace, recognizes that he's been chosen to do something significant. But in anger, he murders a man and then has to run for his life where he spends 40 days out in the backside of the wilderness tending sheep, where one day he encounters God by, when he sees a bush on fire, but it was not consumed, so he goes up to it, and the bush speaks to him. God speaks to him from the burning bush, and God tells him that he needs to go back to Egypt where he is going to deliver the nation of Israel from slavery. And um, that's where our story is going to pick up, because if you've ever struggled like I have, where you, you've got more stuck than start and more excuses than enthusiasm, then you could appreciate this guy Moses. All right, let's jump into Exodus chapter 14, uh, chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. So this is kind of the conclusion. We're, gonna, we're jumping ahead a little bit, and, and it writes this way. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, so this is a survey. Go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. Okay, so this reads a little bit like maybe your story re reads, or mine would read. So Patrick obeyed God, and God told him to go into ministry and get married, and so Patrick went into ministry and got married. What, what the, the challenge is, there's a big gap in between these two sentences, there's a lot of struggle, there's a lot of pain, and so I want to go back and give you a little bit of the back story so that you can appreciate uh, Moses' struggle and see how it relates to your struggle and my struggle. So here it is, we're going to jump back to Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. So Moses answered, so he's talking to God, and he says to God, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And so let's just pause right here. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of backstory rather than reading the whole thing. So, so Moses has a staff in his hand. And God says, what's in your hand? He goes, this staff. He goes, throw it on the ground. So Moses throws the staff on the ground. And ah, the staff becomes a serpent. And then God says, now reach down and grab its tail and pick it up. And when he picked it up, it became his staff again. And then God said, if that's not cool enough for you, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to stick your hand in your robe. And so Moses sticks his hand in his robe, and he goes, all right, now pull it out. So he pulls out his hand, and it's leprous. Now, if you don't know what leprosy is, leprosy is a disease that starts on your skin, but basically it eats away at your body so that if you were to bump your finger, your finger would fall off, or you stub your toe, and your toe would eventually fall off. And it might sound funny, except that you don't want to have body parts falling off, and it would eventually kill someone. And, and so Moses sticks his hand and pulls it out. Ah, it's leprous. And God says, okay, now put it back in. And he puts it back in, he pulls it back out, and, and the leprosy is gone. And the point is that he's supposed to bring these signs to the Hebrew people and to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And then finally God says, and if those signs don't impress them, I want you to get a bucket of water out of the Nile River, and I want you to pour it on the ground. And as you're pouring it out, it's all going to turn to blood. So Moses is following along with these signs, and Moses goes, yeah, God, I don't know. I can't speak real well. And then at this point, God gets a little bit frustrated with him. And this is where we're going to pick up, Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please just send someone else. Like God said, okay, fine, you can't speak. I'm going to give you your brother Aaron. He's going to speak for you. You're going to talk to him, and he's going to tell everybody else. And God and Moses goes, yeah, okay, nice, but can you just choose someone else? I just don't want to do it. I know this is where you want me to go. I don't want to go. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levi? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. And we're going to continue. You shall speak to him and put his wor your words Put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you, both you speak, and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if you were the mouth, and as if, I'm sorry, as if he were the mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand, so you can perform signs with it. Here, here's the point. You notice what Moses is doing? He's got a long list of excuses on what he already knows God has told him to do. He just doesn't want to do it. And so he lives in a constant rerouting. God, what about this? And what about this? And he's coming up with excuse after reason and reason in order just not to do what he should do. And so what he really had to learn, he had to learn the art of the start. And I want to challenge you. When you're stuck in a constant rerouting, you got to learn the art of the start. In fact, some of you, you need to write that down. You're joining us online. You can type it right in the comments section. Feel free to pull out your smartphone. You're at, you're at a campus's put or smart, your smartphone. Type it in. Learn the art of the start. By the way, take notes. Don't just listen. I know, I know if you're anything like me, when you listen, you kind of catch a little bit. When you write it down, it sticks inside of you. And, and I, I try to craft these in a way that they stick, and so I, I want to make this sticky. So if you write it down, hopefully it'll stick. Learn the art of the start. So what's the art of the start? Let me jump back to my illustration about my uh, dating my wife. And uh, here, I want to bring this up a little bit. I want to make sure you guys don't miss my little visual. Um, so I dated my wife for five and a half years. And this was about five years and three months into our dating relationship where we, I mean, we had planned our, we were planning on our wedding. We, we, were, we were engaged for almost two years. So at this point, I mean, we're 20 months into our engagement. We got all the details worked out and I'm not getting cold feet. I'm just scared to fail. 
I want to start and not finish well. So here I am, five over five years in, and I'm just having a hard time coming back, just getting this thing started. I was five years in training to go into vocational ministry, and I'm just having a hard time getting started. And I told you why. Why? Because I've seen it fail so many times. Seen so much go wrong. Seen it, I've seen people get hurt so many times. And even as a young man, I was looking out and seeing enough pain that I didn't want to start. And I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm going to make my mistakes. And I think, I don't want to start if I'm going to mess it up. And I don't want to start if I'm going to hurt people. Why? And why do we hurt people? Because there's something fundamentally wrong inside of every one of us. And I know this. You know this. I knew that inside of me there was this spiritual corruption that would wreck anything good and everything good in my life. So I don't want to start if I'm going to mess it up. Well, what is it about you and I that messes up big dreams? What is it about you and I that messes up the things that are good in front of us? What is it about you and I that when we know what we should do, we don't do it? It's a spiritual force inside of us called sin. Sin corrupts us. Sin is this spiritual thing inside of us that pushes us away from God. And the moment you push away from God, you're doing what you want, and you're going to wreck yourself, and you're going to wreck others every time. You're going to destroy the dream. You could destroy the dreams of God when you pursue them with sin. If you're following God's best for your life, but you're leaving God out of it, you will wreck your life. And you will wreck God's best for your life because God's best isn't possible without God involved. And so sin separates us from God, wrecks our life, and leads toward eternal ruin. Where we spend forever far away from God experiencing the eternal judgment for sin. But God... And so this is where I want to jump back in the story of, of Moses. Remember, Moses is thousands of years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene, but there's this really cool moment where it kind of, it gives you a little foreshadowing into Jesus. This, so he, he, God gives Moses the signs, the staff, the, the serpent, and the leprous hand being healed. He goes, this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. These signs are so that they will see and believe that God has appeared to you. And as I read this, I thought, boy, that just sounds a little bit like Jesus. He didn't send a sign. God sent his son so that you would believe that God has appeared to us. What did Jesus do? God stepped from heaven to earth, became one of us. He didn't just perform signs, wonders, and miracles. God, the son, became one of us so that he could take our sin to the cross, die in our place, absorb our eternal death sentence, so that when we believe in Jesus by faith, our sins are forgiven, the sin um, corruption inside of us is transformed so that God's spirit begins to live inside of our spirit, and now we become a new person. Because Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead, and in his resurrection, he gives us victory over sin, victory over death, victory over eternal judgment. So that now, when you have God's spirit in your spirit, you can kind of follow that, that line that, because this is so that you will, they will believe 
that I have appeared. Jesus came so that we would believe that he appeared. And, and maybe you're at a place right now where you've been stuck, you've been paralyzed, you just can't move forward and what you know you should do. Well, before you take any step, put your faith in Jesus Christ because you don't want God's best without God involved. And so you begin a new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? Simply text the name Jesus to 41411. The reason why we want you to do this is because sometimes it helps if you let someone else know. So you're letting us know. We're going to encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. It's kind of like, you know, you're going to start a diet or you're going to start an exercise uh, regimen. Sometimes just letting someone know adds a layer of support and encouragement that keeps you going. And so uh, not only do we want... Not only do we want to encourage you, but we want to give you the tools necessary to help you as you begin to move forward. So text us. Text the name Jesus to 41411. Now you've said yes to Jesus, and many of you who are listening have said yes to Jesus, and there are things you know you need to do. It's right in front of you, but you're having a hard time taking that step. And so I want to give you some really practical um, steps, some, some really practical tools, skills today to help you move from where you are paralyzed or rerouting or just stuck to actually moving into what God has for you. So let's jump into Exodus chapter four, verse two. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Now in Moses' hand, as I said, there was a staff, but the key here is this, start by giving God what you've got. Remember, I said, I want, I want you to learn the art of the start. And the art of the start means you got to give God what you've got. Go ahead. You can write that down. In fact, I'm going to have you say it with me. Give God. I don't know. Now I'm not so convinced. I thought this was going to be easy. I thought you guys would be like enthusiastic. All right. Give God. Give what, you've got. what you've got. All right, so you're going to give God what you got because that's the art of the start. The way you start is you got to give God what you've got. What did Moses do? God says, what's in your hand? A staff. Okay, give it to me. Put it down. God can do more with what's in your hand than you can. And if you want what's in God's hands, you've got to give God what's in your hands. If you want what God wants, then you've got to give God what you want. You've got to be willing to give up what's in your hand and put it in God's hands if you're ever going to get from God's hands what you most want and most need. God can take a staff and turn it into a serpent. God can take a hand and turn it into a miracle. In Moses' hand, the staff was nothing more than a carved piece of wood. In God's hand, it becomes a serpent. It becomes a sign. In God's hand, that same staff could be stretched out over the Red Sea and divide waters. Because, in, because God can do more with what's in your hand than you can. So the art of the start means you got to give God what you've got. What do you have in your hand that God wants? Well, you probably have time that God is asking for. You have an agenda. You have plans. You have a relationship. 
You have fears, you have a past, you have a resume, you have a reputation. You have, you have labels. You have things about your identity that you're holding in your hand. You have skills and abilities. Would you give God what's in your hand? Now listen to me. When you give God what's in your hand, that means you have to be willing to say, God, I'm willing to give you my abilities, which means I'm going to serve. God, I'm willing to give you what's in my hand, my time, which means I'm willing to carve out time to obey you, to serve you, to do what you ask. For some of you, that means writing a check. That means for some of you making a, 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 giving a gift. What's in your hand? Some of you have something of whatever you have available to you. God's going to begin by asking for that. All right, now let's take one more really practical step. So Exodus chapter 4, verse 20. I read a little bit of this to you. This is the, so Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey, and he started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. Word I really want to draw out to you is simply this and started back to Egypt. He had to start somewhere. The, the key is this. You say yes, then you step. Say yes, then step. <laughs> okay, so uh, I decided one day uh, I was gonna run a marathon. Somebody told me I could do it, and I was a little uncertain of whether I could actually do it. In fact, it kind of came because I was saying, nah, you can't, not, like the ordinary person can't do this. And he was like, no, no, really, you could. I was like, I don't know. Well, that one conversation planted an idea in my mind that maybe I should. So the first marathon I ever ran uh, took me two years, five months, four hours, and 15 minutes. Two years waiting and thinking and not starting anything. Five months of training and then four hours and 15 minutes to actually run the race. I dated my wife for five and a half years. Now, by the way, I, I was 12 years old when we started dating. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She was 12. Uh, no. Uh, it, it, it's not that I was stalling, okay? I was young. We were young. I, we had to get through college. As soon as we graduated, we got married. Um, we dated five and a half years. But it took us five and a half years to get to an altar to say yes and then start. I had a dream to start a church. It took me nine years to get to the point of a start. Some of you, the, the most challenging thing you need to do is say yes, then actually start. You, you got to move from just saying yes, one little yes, to doing something. See, here, here's the hardest part. The, the most challenging thing you ever do is say, yes, I'm willing. And then actually start. Just one yes, then a start. And, and the key here is this. God will not start it for you. He will set you up for the start. He will prepare you for the start, but he will not start it for you. And he will not finish what you will not start. And you cannot finish what you will not start. 
Moses had to start back to Egypt. Now, don't think I'm just pulling one little word out and I'm making a big deal about it. I'm teaching you an entire lesson from a major portion of Moses' life where he argues with God with a pile of excuses because he doesn't want to start. Well, one of the key things about the start is you got to say yes, then actually start. You got to say yes, then start training. You got to sit, you got to train, then actually get to the starting line. And at some point, when the gun goes off, you better take the first step. Why? Because the hardest step is the first step. Check it out. The hardest part is the start. The hardest step is the first step. Once you start, it gets a heck of a lot easier. The hardest day of your diet will be the first day. The hardest chapter to write is the first chapter. The hardest day is usually the first date. The, the most, the most uh, like awkward day will be the first day of your new job, right? Like the point is you got to start. You got to be willing to begin, right? So you got to be willing to pull it back and go, okay, this is going to hurt. Ah, what's going to happen? And then you got to start. That's the art of the start. The hardest part is the start. And some of you, you're just unwilling to let God pull you back and release you. So you're unwilling to actually start. And that's what's delaying God's work in your life is your unwillingness to start. But you can't finish what you don't start. And so you're just stuck on the starting line, paralyzed by the paralysis of analysis, and you're trying to figure out all the different ways that you can talk God out of telling you to, to just take the step that you already know to do, right? And so here's the deal. This isn't just about you choosing a new thing to do, right? Please hear me. This isn't about like, oh, I need to try something new, like a new resolution, a new uh, discipline in your life. No, here's the thing. You don't just start new things. This, the critical part of this story is that God, brought, God called him, God brought him to a star, and then said, now go. This is being Holy Spirit-led. You believe in Jesus. God's Spirit is in you. He's put something right in front of you that you know you need to do, and you're just not doing it. It's right in front of you. It's a letter you, I don't know, you don't even write letters anymore. It's a phone call you need to make, a person you need to visit, a text you need to send, a job you need to apply for, a book you need to write, a, a, a relationship you need to restore. There's something in you that you know you need to do. God has put it right in front of you, right? Here's the thing. The hardest check you'll ever write to the church is the first one. The first gift is always the hardest gift. The first day of serving is always the hardest day of serving. If you're going to join up for a life group, it's the sign up and the show up that's the hardest part. Once you get there, you'll have a family. All right, here's the deal. So you've got to, the hardest part is the start. You have to begin to give now. Make a commitment. Don't just wait and say, oh, I'll send that text, LH give to 77977 another day. No, you won't. Nope, you'll just, you'll just stay back here. Because it's always uncomfortable to start. So you have to, you have to recognize the hardest part is to start. You, you, you've had it on your mind to begin to pray. Okay, set aside time and actually start to pray. You've had it on your mind to begin to do your Bible reading. Then actually begin your Bible reading. You've had it on your mind to restore your marriage relationship, to get into counseling. Do it. The hardest part is the start. But God has put it on your heart because he wants you to start it. Okay, now there's one more part to this, and I want to make sure you don't miss it. What I really should have written was, enough with the excuses. No more excuses. Now, let me be really clear about this one. Sometimes when we talk about this, it's kind of like a little pep rally. 
Like, oh, come on, man, no more excuses. What was God's response to Moses' excuses? He got angry with him because it was a demonstration of a lack of faith. Now, God is not, I don't believe God is angry with you, but here's the deal. It requires faith because it's uncomfortable, because it's risky, because you don't know how the story's gonna end. Look, God's not gonna show you the next step if you're not willing to take the first step, and many of you aren't willing to take the first step unless you could see the last step. You don't wanna go to the starting line unless you can see the finish line, and you don't wanna go to the starting line unless you have all the resources lined up to finish. And God doesn't work like that. God just brings you to the starting line and says, go and trust me for every step. Trust me for the next step. Trust me that I will provide for you. And when you and I don't, it's actually an act of disobedience, not just doubt. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Okay, in my home, if I tell my boys, go clean up the living room. Daddy, in a few minutes, we're still playing. <laughs> uh-uh. Come over here. Did you hear what daddy said? All right, now, you keep doing that to me enough times, and I'm gonna feel a little bit like God toward Moses. I might get a little bit angry because I want first-time listeners. Why? Because I told you to do it, you knew what to do, and you delayed obedience, which is disobedience. Indecision is a decision, and inaction is your action. God is inviting you to respond. Now listen to me, I want to land this with a really cool thought. For some of you, there's, there's something holding you back. There's something pulling back. I wish that you guys could, I don't know if you can do this. Could you guys zoom in a little bit on I me? Mean, I'm gonna stay right here. Could I, could I, you could pull the camera, I don't know if you can, there we go. There's something in your life, you feel like God's been pulling you back. He's been holding you back. Maybe the very thing that is holding you back is preparing you for a release to start something. So stop complaining about what you think is holding you back. Maybe the very thing that you think is holding you back is God pulling back for a release in your life so that you'll start. And for you, that's simply saying, yes, God, I know that this thing has been holding me back. You know what's holding back, Moses? God, I can't speak. God, I don't know what to do. God, I'm not enough. And, God, and that stuff is holding him back. And that was the very thing God wanted to use to release him into his obedience, into his purpose, into his destiny. Sometimes the things that you think are holding you back are the things that God is using to release you. And all you've got to be willing to do is say yes and actually start and enough with the excuses. It's time for you to say one little yes and then actually start. So what do you need to start? Please. This is not about you making a commitment. This is about you actually starting. God, through the person of his Holy Spirit, is speaking to you right now some things you need to start. Maybe one thing. In fact, I don't want you to think about a bunch of things. I want you to think one thing that you know God wants you to start. And I want you not just to make a commitment. Today, I actually want you to start. Take one little step in the right direction. Now let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I, I'm almost giddy because I'm thinking about the, all the people that are part of LifeHouse. And if every one of them 
took one little step of obedience, we would have revival. Hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people saying yes to you and then doing one little step of obedience. That would be hundreds of people praying, hundreds of people giving, hundreds of people serving, hundreds of people just simply saying yes to you. And God, I I can only imagine if we said yes to you and actually did it, how different the world would be. And so God, we're not just making that commitment. Holy Spirit, would you hold us to it? And whatever's been holding us back, God, would you use that to release something in us so that it begins us on a journey of obedience that we can begin to learn the art of the start with no more excuses, just being obedient to you because, God, we trust you. You're the God of the impossible. You're the God who can do anything. You're the God who can take us. <laughs> you, can, you can take us from seeing the storms of the sea and you can invite us to walk on the waters. And so, God, right now, we're, we're not just making a commitment commitment to start. We're going to start today. Would you give us that faith and that courage? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.